tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Obo Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Not and end it with a drink. Yeah, I like that little sound effect there. That's my Donetsk mule. It's a variation of the Moscow mule where I could not find a copper mug or a slice of lime. So I just went ahead and put a, used an aluminum mug and or maybe tin. I'm not sure what material it is. And used your requisite uh, ginger beer, vodka, Russian standard, and, uh, and lime juice and some ice. Very Spartan. I just have a Jack and Coke. Very nice. Super Spartan. Mine aspires to be Russian, but it's technically part of the Ukraine. <laughs> Boom! I'm sorry I cannot con- contribute to the BoJack Horseman talk, and I'm sorry I killed it. No problem. Next spoiler cast. Let me mute myself now that we're streaming. Hi, streamers. Hi, streamers. Hi, streamers. Uh, please text me if you hear an echo. You shouldn't fucking hear an echo. I, I believe I have repaired the problem. <laughs> okay, I... I, pa- I muted the call or paused the call, so I don't know if I can hear it or not, but uh, let's see. I do not hear an echo. Yay! Fuck because yes! Okay. I am awesome. So, Sweet. So the second test of this is going to be, and Jack, this is something that I think we should talk about before the show since it's not strictly relevant to, to anything that we w- we're going to be discussing. Okay. So last night I was playing uh, Destiny with our good friend Steven a.k.a. Dunkle Bro, mm-hmm. and we determined that he did not have any pri- elemental primaries in Destiny. So being the buddy that I am, the bro, if you will, I went ahead and loaded up Crota Hard Mode, Dop and I went in, and I was determined to get him the first two guns, even though I had already done those two, first two checkpoints solo on Hard Mode. I decided, you know what? Steven needs an elemental primary. I'm going to give him a hand. Dop got all the guns. <laughs> and I got all the guns. Steven did not get a gun. I, have, I swear, I think only once during hard mode, I have not gotten a gun in that first area. I have disassembled probably about, I would say, four or five Oversoul Edicts. I and guess you could say it wasn't his destiny. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, okay, so here is, here is the solution that, uh, that we came up with earlier today. So Steven doesn't have any elemental primaries. Jules doesn't have any elemental primaries. And as far as I know, you only have one. Now, granted, it's one of the best ones, but you could probably stand to fill it out. Mm-hmm. We are going to take you to the Vault of Glass hard mode on Friday. Then, 
right after. Oh, we can't bring you on Crota. Well, I could buy it, uh, the faction the pack at this point. It's been a month, so uh, if you if you would like to buy the the uh, the expansion for Dark Below, know that the que- the single player stuff isn't great, but the raid is pretty fun. Would I need to play through the single player stuff to get to that thing, or can I just do it once I buy it? I think you could come if you were with us. We could bring you to the to the vault. Okay, or not to the vault to the raid. You would probably still want to do the want to do some of the single player quests because some of them are kind of interesting but you're not going to get you're going to get a decent fusion rifle and a set of arms that you're probably just going to throw away in fact you may not even want to progress that that quest line well let me count the pennies in my uh, my bank account and see if I can swing the uh, the expansion and do both ideally if you can't that's okay don't don't worry about it because Because the, the main thing we want to do is take you to the Vault of Glass because there is a particular primary that is very nice. It's called Fatebringer. It might be the best gun in the game. Hmm. So the idea is that, that we will take you through Vault of Glass hard mode and hopefully you, Jules, or Steven will get a Fatebringer. And now that I'm and, level 32, it's not quite as staggering a feat for me to, play, to keep up with you guys. Envision a confluence if you get it is so nice. Oh, I have that. That's my, that's my standard gun. Well, then yeah. he's, got a, he's got a primary that does some kind of elemental damage. Right, but Fatebringer is like, one, Fatebringer oh. is awesome. Like, it's Yeah, oh, no, so no, no argument with that. But the other thing is, since Steven and Jules don't have any elemental primaries, them coming with us and Jack bringing with us, it's, it's sort of like we're taking, we're taking our ducklings into the Vault of Glass hard mode, and, and we're really looking forward to it. We could Aww. probably... Use a third Vault of Glass veteran. Uh, what time on Friday? Uh, probably the same time we've been kicking off, around 7 o'clock, uh, 7 o'clock Central, 7.30 Central or so. I might uh, be a little bit late. I have a friend coming in from out of town. Uh, that's, that, that's okay. We can, it's Friday night, so we can go a little later. Okay. Um, let me check. My schedule is not handy. Give me like 10 seconds and in I'll fact, check that If right. you did that, I could, I could do... I could take Steven and Jules through uh, Vault, or not Vault of Glass, but Crota Hard, and, and see about getting them guns from there as well. There you go. That sounds like a plan. My, hi, I'm Jack. I'm Jonathan. And Lauren said, hold on, didn't she? I'm Lauren. I'm not really Lauren, but I'm speaking on Lauren's behalf. And we are Glib Shark. Tonight we're shooting the breeze about Ant-Man, the, uh, the week, things that were. And uh, I'll turn it over to you, Jonathan, while we're waiting for Oboe. Oh, I'm back. Hi. I'm back. Yep, I'm back. So and I guess yes, I can, turn I can to, do Friday. I guess I can turn it to the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek. How are you, Oboe? I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but I've got some news because news is fun. First, the search for alien intelligent universe in the life is getting help from a Russian billionaire. Because why not? Uh, Yuri Milner has announced a new initiative called Breakthrough Listen, which is a 10-year project that will search for radio and light signals emitted by extraterrestrials. At a cost of $100 million, it is the largest sum of money ever allocated to the effort. As a discreet SETI endeavor, Breakthrough Listen will dwarf anything that has preceded it. As reported by Reuters, less than $2 million is spent each year on SETI, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, if you are not in the know. Uh, and SETI projects around the globe really are 
fairly underfunded. Milner's new project is set to use some of the world's largest radio telescopes and be advised by hand-picked teams of science, uh, science experts. What's more, technological improvements, including boosting some of the computer power and telescope sensitivity, will make Milner's dollars go even further than they did in the past when SETI had more significant funding. New tools will allow SETI scientists to scan several billion radio frequencies at a time and search 10 times more sky than previous efforts. Uh, Milner made this announcement in London alongside physicist Stephen Hawking, who had this to say about the project. And no, I'm not going to do a Stephen Hawking voice one, because that would be rude, and two, because I suck at voices. Quote, I'm here today because I believe the breakthrough initiatives are critically important. To understand the universe, you must know about atoms and the forces that bind them, the contours of space and time, the birth and death of stars, the dance of galaxies, the secrets of black holes. But that is not enough. These ideas cannot explain everything. They can explain the light of stars, but not the lights that shine from planet Earth. To understand these lights, you must know about life about minds. We believe that life arose spontaneously on Earth, so in an infinite universe, there must be other occurrences of life. Somewhere in the cosmos, perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. End quote. I think that's kind of awesome. I also love that it's just some random Russian billionaire who's gonna help us find E.T. So, there you go. In other kind of science news, mostly math, most of the time when you hear about students in the United States and how good they are at math, you're hearing about how bad they are at math. In general, the United States is lagging fairly far behind when it comes to math and science education in this country. So it is with a little bit of pride that I'd like to give you some positive news about the state of math in the United States. For the first time since 1994, a team of top-tier mathematics students from around the United States has taken first place at the International Mathematics Olympiad, which is a global competition that this year included teams from more than 100 countries. Uh, po Shen Lao, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University and head coach for Team USA, say the competition is held over the course of two days. Students work on three math problems each and told NPR, quote, if you can even solve one question, you're a bit of a genius, end quote. So, yeah, the fact that the United States won is kind of amazing. And while you can't actually see any of the problems that are posed in the Olympiad this year, you can actually go and look at some of the puzzles that were uh, from the past. I know io9 has a couple of links and they're, they're just crazy. They are just crazy. Finally, in something related to math, that would be music. Because, hey, any chance I get to say that music is awesome, I have to take. So the notion that musical training has had a positive effect on cognitive function other than, you know, just helping out with your musical training has long been a source of interest. And there's a lot of studies towards that effect. Research first emerged at the beginning of the 20th century that standardized assessments of IQs and musical abilities suggested the two were correlated. Recently, research has shifted focus from effects on musical training on global intelligence and instead focuses on benefits to specific skills and tasks as individ in individuals. Musical training has shown to le lead to improvements in a wide variety of different skills, including memory, spatial learning, 
and language skills such as verbal memory, literacy, and verbal intelligence. They've all been shown to strongly benefit from musical training. Musicians are also more adept at processing speech in environments where there are a large amount of background noise, possess a greater propensity for processing auditory signals that are in some way degraded, and show an advantage over their musically naive counterparts when it comes to pitch detection in both music and language, which a lot of languages across the globe, English not necessarily being one of them, are very pitch dependent. The inflection you give a word or a phrase can highly uh, impact what that actually means. So you're not just talking about, oh, I can tell that you're musical today. No, it, it can actually help you understand somebody a lot more. Recent advances in technology have allowed researchers to probe into the neural underpinnings of these adaptations and actually have some scientific basis for what a lot of people, like me, have just assumed are true. You can read the whole study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. It's pretty fascinating, especially when it links uh, talking about music and language. So go check that out. And then, you know, come back to me. My rates are very reasonable if you would like to learn to play the oboe. That's all for this week in Geek. I'm Oboe Crazy and Ant-Man. Ant-Man, all the things. The world is indeed a strange place. If you have a fact you want read live and on this broadcast, you can send it to Lauren at OboeCrazy.com. Say, for instance, that the fact was mathletes teaming up with musicians to find extraterrestrial life. That would be a good example. Uh, and while you're at it, go to our website, which is glibshark.com, full of past episodes of uh, Glibshark, Classic Jenga Jam, All Time Buttcast, and Spoilercast, and whatever else we're coming up with at any given time. Glibshark.com, the house of all Glibshark content. And I think real quick, since we, since we have Lauren here, we can get some non-spoilery opinions from her, what she thought of Ant-Man, the men of Ants. Are, are we only going to do non-spoilery, or are we eventually going to go spoilery? We did spoilers 25 minutes ago. I thought you just did BoJack Horseman. Ah! Oh. Okay. Non-spoilery. I really liked it. Uh, It was a lot of fun. It continues what I think is the smart Marvel tradition of taking the individual movies in the franchise that are focused on individual characters and not just having them be a superhero movie, but having them be basically another genre that happens to have a superhero in it. This was a heist movie. Uh, Captain America has been a World War II movie and a, a, a spy thriller. You know, all these movies have been something else. It just happens to have a superpowered thing in it. And so I think uh, the way they went about it was fantastic. I thought the casting was really good. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was mildly amusing. Um, I, I was expecting it to be funnier, I think, but... Maybe some of it, some of the stuff I just found funny. Um, I really enjoyed the. Um, I mean, I guess you know Michael Douglas is in the movie. The the stuff that they did with him at the beginning to make him look young. That was actually really good. I that thought was that was the best good. use of digital makeup I've seen so far. That was super amazing, and I'm I'm not really that surprised considering it's this the same company that did the make. Um, uh, Captain America looks scrawny, which I thought that did an excellent job too. Um, I, yeah, when you compare st- to like other digital makeup effects, I, the only two examples that come to mind are X Men 
the last stand where at the very beginning they had young Patrick Stewart, uh, Patrick Stewart, and young Ian McClellan, which is and not hard to do. Patrick awful. Stewart, because basically he's just still bald. It's just a matter of making him look a little bit younger. They looked terrible, though. The way their yeah. mouths moved, and that continued into the other example I was going to give, Tron Legacy, where the Jeff Bridges model just did not look good at all. Like if he wasn't was better anything or smiling, it looked fine. But as soon as he started talking, Uncanny Valley, all the way in, Pretty with a squirrel yeah, but- suit splattering at the bottom. I mean, I knew that that Michael Douglas thing was going to happen. And Luke and I both looked for it. And that, I mean, they had a close-up on his face. And we saw the movie in 3D. And that looked like they just pulled Michael Douglas from a, a previous era of his life. And stuck Absolutely. him in like, Batman. It was amazing. I, I told someone it looked like they time-traveled to the set of Wall Street, pulled Michael <laughs> Douglas, said, hey, here is... Do this. Read these lines. Put on. Put on this. This nice looking suit and read these lines. And and he did that. And he and then they sent him back. It, it looks so good. Okay, so there is one tiny spoilery bit, but if you've seen the trailers, you you know what's coming. And it, this is just more of a commentary on the state of of Marvel movies in the Marvel movies, like like the universe's state. So at some point the yellow jacket suit gets shown to a bunch of people. The thing I love the most about that reveal of the yellow jacket suit was that one of the guys who's watching it says, so it's a suit. Like he had been expecting to be blown away. And all of a sudden this suit that some dude wears is pedestrian mm-hmm. because it's of nice iron. Nod. I didn't think about that. It's yeah. definitely a wink at the audience. Yeah, because you've already, like, there have been tons of suits running around. Iron Man literally had 40 suits fight in a pier on, in, in L.A. So it's like, it's, it's another suit? Okay, yeah. that's fine. I, I loved how, how disenchanted he was. That was, I thought, a really, really nice touch. Oh, the, but the two things I want to talk about in specific, I can't without spoiling things. One thing I will talk about is I learned a lot about ants watching this movie. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you learn a little bit about ants in the progress of the Ant-Man movie. So we have a friend, uh, Katie Schenkel, who is very plugged into the comic book scene and is always tweeting some great information about, about equality and, and women's rights and, and feminism, how it relates to comic and geek media. She retweeted someone who pointed out that all of the ants are referred to as he. When they all should be referred to as They're she. Since oh, real really? ants are all female except for the males who you like never see because they die so quickly. I totally I I knew intellectually that all ants are that a lot of those insects are you know like bee colonies. All of them are female. Um I didn't catch the facts that they were all ooh. Wow. Changes my whole view on Antony. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. I totally, I totally get yeah. like you know the whoopsie, you know him calling Ant Antony just because it's a good, it's a good pun and everything. Also, yes, yes, Anthony, yes, Antony, Antony. Uh, oh God, Antony. Yes, I will say that this is the most empathy I have felt toward ants since Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I love the fact that they. Whether it was supposed to highlight the character, 
or whether it was just something fun to show. I, I, I'd like to think it was to highlight the character. There, they made it a point to show that the ants were not expendable, that he, didn't, he wasn't just throwing ants into harm's way, that he went out of his way. You know, the one point where they are literally airlifting ants out of an area. And that seems like such a small detail, but if the, if the prevailing idea of these ants are they're just, they're just ants and you just throw them at stuff and they, you know, they follow your commands and they're just mindless drones and stuff. You know, I liked the fact that that was not how the ants were treated, that they were, they were felt valuable enough to save, to come up with an extraction plan. I loved that. Yes, I, I did. I love that too. And it was something I'd also catched. It was like, it speaks to both Hank Pym and Scott Lang's best parts yes. in that they recognized that these ants were their teammates and they went out of their way to save their teammates. It would have been easy. In so, it would have been a lot easier in some of those situations just to leave them. But that mm-hmm. was not an option, which, nope. which was great. Yeah. Okay, so maybe maybe at the very end of this episode we can do like a, a couple of minutes and I can talk about a few things. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. After we after we hop off the stream, we'll we'll do that. Okay. I because yeah, say, th- there's stuff I want to talk about that I can't. Well, I also saw another movie this weekend, and it was something that was a little surprising. It's a I, I didn't realize it was an actual Judd Apatow movie, but it really was directed by Judd Apatow and it's a movie starting starring Amy Schuler called Trailer. Schuler, yeah, Trayrek. It was good, huh? Is that the one in where she's the, um, she's just drinking and sleeping with everybody, and then is trying to find doesn't really want to find the guy because she doesn't think that she can have a long term relationship. Yes, it, and okay. it was surprisingly good. I will say that it's a bit on the long side, oh. and Judd Apatow has apparently gotten to the point where. People can't tell him to cut his own movie. There were lots of scenes that were unnecessarily long. And I'm just sitting there going, ah, this could be a little bit shorter. All that said, it was really, really funny. There were a couple of parts where I I was laughing my ass off and it was like two people sleeping in a bed. It wouldn't like and that's all they were trying to do is just sleep. And so it, it really tickles you if you've been in that kind of relationship before. And it, there's just tons and tons to be to love about this movie. One hmm. of the things I did not expect to love was the acting ability of LeBron James. Wow. Yeah, I'd heard that he's Sur- actually okay. Surprisingly good. Not and like not just okay. Tim Duncan is okay. I've seen Tim Duncan try and act before. He is solidly okay. LeBron James was actually funny, which if you've known me. And you've listened to this show before. I have no love for LeBron James. So the fact <laughs> that I can compliment him on this really speaks to how well he did. Praise from Caesar. How was John Cena in that? I heard he has a role. <laughs> I should probably just let you guys watch it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... I'm, I'm going to be honest. Those kind of rom-coms, they turn me off so quickly. I don't I care how good it is. It's going to end up being something that my wife and I watch on our couch, on our couch at some point Probably. in the future. It's, it's definitely something worth checking out, and I, I would recommend it. I don't recommend it as hard as Spy. Spy is awesome and, and, and so good on so many levels. But, uh, but Trainwreck was good, and, 
and and Amy Schumer did, does really really well. Like th- this is a breakout movie for her, and she deserves it because she she knocks this out the park. She really really does well in in this okay. movie. It, it's it's extremely. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. Well, good. Yeah, bringing endorsement for a romantic comedy. You didn't think you'd hear that on today's <laughs> broadcast, yet here we are. I will going back to Ant Man for just a moment. I will say we had to see the movie in 3D because they actually did not have any 2D showings at the theater we went to. Not bad in 3D. I only had a small headache. Yeah, and I thought the the effects were better in 3D than they would have been in 2D, especially with all the shrinking and growing and shrinking and growing. I thought that was kind of cool. I think if I had to watch a Marvel movie in 3D, this was the one to watch. I absolutely agree. This was the most notable use of 3D since probably Gravity, I would say. Yeah, probably Gravity. Wow. And, and definitely the best use in a Marvel movie. I don't think it was natively shot in 3D, but the conversion was definitely top-notch. The conversion was way better than the conversion for Ultron. The conversion for Ultron was just unmemorable and just not great. So let but me this a- was really good. Let mm. me ask you guys this. Now, Marvel has announced their slate of movies uh, through basically 2019. So, I mean, they could bump an Ant-Man sequel in there. They could not. But how interested would you be? My question isn't whether they're going to make an Ant-Man sequel. My question is, given the increasing slate of uh, superhero characters they're pumping out, how interested would you be in seeing a movie where it's not a full-on Avengers film, but maybe a movie where two of them team up, like a Marvel team-up kind of film? Like we're just too – they prepare too up to randomly or storyline-based. And we would, is that something you'd watch depending on the characters they pair together? Absolutely. In fact, I think that's, that's uh, kind of what they've been doing with Black Widow these last couple of movies is she's been the, the team-up essentially. She was the team-up for Captain America. Sure. She was the team-up for Tony Stark. Um, I think, you know, that – I could definitely see that because eventually – no matter how many characters you have, no matter how many that can show up in the Avengers, you, you can't have everybody. It's just it would be cacophony. And to be able to give the right superheroes or the right just heroes in general the right story and give characters something to play off of, I think I think that'd be excellent. You know, I'd, and it's I'd love to see it. It really would be all about the chemistry. I think one of the reasons why. Civil War works, or not Civil War, but Winter Soldier works so well was because of the chemistry between, between Steve Rogers and, uh, and Black Widow and, and the actress specifically. I, I think that relationship was really strong and, and ca- helped carry the movie. I, the guy who plays Sam Wilson, same way. You get the feeling that he and Captain America are not only teammates but also friends. And that is extremely important. That was one of the reasons why Terrence Howard was such a better roadie than Don Cheadle. I've never gotten the impression that Rhodey and uh, or that Don Cheadle's roadie and Tony Stark were friends. Whereas with Terrence Howard, that was first and foremost. And and, and backstage issues aside, I, I really wish they had kept Terrence Howard there. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have uh, Empire, right? He's an empire, right? I don't give a fuck if he's an empire or not. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, I and guess I, it depends on the chemistry. I'm Go ahead. Beginning to really love the Falcon. I really think I'm super excited to see that character show up. And I was I was 
joking with Luke that, all right, you know, why don't we no, table I that d- since that's, that's something that I, that I wasn't aware of going in. Why don't, why don't we table it till after the show? After okay. The show. Well, I was going to, I was going to talk about other things about him, but yes. We, Superhero we redacted. Well, mm. <laughs> I will say that it, so Ant-Man did not do as well as at the box office as they were kind of hoping. It did. But I really, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't actually look at the numbers, but I really hope they don't look at it as a failure or disappointment or anything like that. Because even though it wasn't my favorite Marvel movie, uh, like, like Jack was saying, coming off Age of Ultron, having a smaller movie with a much smaller scope is exactly what you need to do because you need to kind of reset things going into phase two or going into, going into phase three, I guess. Frankly, I, I think no matter how amazing some of these Marvel movies are doing monetarily, when it comes to things like Ant-Man and guardians of the galaxy that are huge risks, just massive, you know, you don't really have character recognition. You don't have um, the, you don't necessarily besides Michael Douglas have, you know, huge star power. I mean, everyone in there is kind of a known face and stuff, but you're not talking about some of the, the characters, some of the actors that they have in these other movies. I think both of those movies were huge risks. They could have gone super wrong. And the fact that they both have come out as excellent movies, I think, I think, I think their expectations were lower. Uh, I hope their expectations were a little lower monetarily. I don't think there's any way you could compete with Age of Ultron. And I think at this point, I mean, I don't know what Marvel would have to announce for me to go, there's no way. Because after Guardians and Ant-Man, I I can't think of, like, they can practically do no wrong. At this point, they have all of the benefit of every doubt. For the rest of time. Until they make a Power Pack movie. <laughs> and you know what? I will say this. After a successful Guardians and a successful Ant-Man, I will withhold judgment until I see a Power Pack movie. Sure. And okay. it looks like I have the numbers up now. It looks like they made $57.2 million in North America for the opening weekend. Right now, worldwide, up to this date, is at $120 million. So that's a nice chunk of change. And let's keep in mind, this is Ant-Man we're talking about. This isn't like the Spider-Man or Wolverine or Captain America. This is Ant-Man. And Guardians at least was a team. But this is like a solo superhero that didn't really have like – wasn't really a household name, right? The way that the other ones were. There's no way. So I think that it's still $57.2 million, nothing to sneeze at. I wouldn't stop that necessarily. And, and I would imagine like based on everything they set up that we may be seeing Ant- Ant- Ant-Man sooner rather than later. So we haven't seen the last of this character. And I bet you that word of mouth for people who may not have seen it opening weekend, um, I think word of mouth will help this movie a lot because I think the prevailing, uh, hey, should I, I'm not a Marvel person, but should I go see Ant-Man? Or, you know, I'm not huge into, I don't even know who this character is. I think most people, I think it's very fair to say, this is a fun heist movie. You know, go see it because it's it's a fun heist movie that you know you get to see in the middle of the summer and i i think it'll continue to do well over the next couple weeks unlike a lot of other movies that you know have an amazing opening weekend and then just bomb i i think you'll continue to see really strong weeks for the next couple weeks for ant-man as as word gets out 
And they did kind of set up like a whole universe for him, so to speak, to explore. And I won't say too much about it, but it does open up some mechanical stuff that could spill into other properties uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, um, we can cover that at the end. One yeah, thing I did yeah. want to bring up was that I'm looking at the Phase 3, and starting with Civil War, we have, uh, well, we have Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Spider-Man is now in between Guardians and Thor Ragnarok. Then you roll into Avengers Affinity War Part Affinity War Infinity War Part One, then Black <laughs> Panther, Captain Marvel, Avengers Infinity War Part Two, and then Inhumans after that. So they've actually put Inhumans after the Infinity War. I think that makes sense. I think I think they're using Agents of Shield to build the Inhuman brand and to build up a cadre of of mutant replacements. And if the idea is that gradually over time, the main Avengers brand is going to be an ever evolving group of superheroes, depending on actors and characters, then, yeah, bringing them in at the end when you're talking about a whole new group of superpowered beings, I think is super smart. I think you focus on the the characters you've got in phase one and phase two and get them through an end game that has been building up, which is Infinity War Part Two, and then you go from there. And so that that makes complete sense to me. Is it fair to say that Benedict Cumberbatch is the biggest star to be coming into a Marvel role since Robert Downey Jr.? Oh. Hmm. Because a I lot think, of these you know, guys got bad, got big after, like, like, uh, like Chris Evans. Actually, Chris Evans was he was he did a, he, he was he was in a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't like a household name the way he is now. I think all of the actors you could make a strong case for being known actors in and household names. Well, but, Nick, but well, Samuel L. Jackson though he was a known name before he came into it. <laughs> um. I think there's an argument to be made that Benedict Cumberbatch is probably the the most has has done the most stuff in the shortest amount of time recently. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson has a long and, and gigantic career, but, you know, he's kind of in everything and he's kind of background in a lot of stuff. Um, Chris Helmsworth had done some stuff. But really not a ton. And he wasn't like a known name. Not before um, Thor, no. Scarlett Johansson, I think, probably you could, you could say is a, a huge star. I guess star. Yeah, I, think her... I, I guess it's more like, like they're headlining their own movie, which is something that, that Nick Fury and the Black Widow have not done. Yeah. Well, and I would say Jeremy Renner also not headline his own Hawkeye movie yet. And yet looking like he's going to be in the new mission. He's been in the last couple of mission possible movies. He replaced Jason Bourne. He did. Um, he was in a lot. Of, okay. Jeremy, Jerry Renner was in a lot of stuff, but actually that's interesting that you point that out because these Avengers and other major characters in the Marvel universe who are being played by these more established actors than the actual named heroes themselves that are headlining the movie. Like you said, Chris Hemsworth really hadn't done anything. I think his biggest role before this George Kirk. was yeah, was George Kirk. And the only reason I took note of that was because I knew he was going to be Thor. Yeah. Well, and he had been he was in the the Joss Whedon 
horror movie, but that he had he had actually done that before he did Thor, and then the movie just got delayed twelve years or something ridiculous. Um, Cabin in the Woods. There we go. Uh, before it it came out, um, it was Red Dawn the same way? I think he, I think he filmed Red Dawn at around the same time he did cabin in the woods and then again that was delayed because well we don't want to piss off the chinese they buy a lot of our shit right yeah no i think i think all of the actors have had if not distinguished then active careers i think a a lot of them would have been i am not a movie person I am certainly not up on the entertainment industry. And I think the vast majority of those names, if you had rattled them off to me before the, the Marvel movie started, I would have recognized most of them. With one um, exception. I, I'm actually, I think Edward Norton might be the, the exception that proves the rule. Well, he was a pretty actually, big name going into Incredible so Hulk. I was thinking That's about true. it just now because I'm looking at the list. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd? I don't know Paul if he's Rudd. like an A-lister like, low. He's, like, I, he's pretty prominent, but I wouldn't say he's prominent as Benedict Cumberbatch. No, Edward Norton. No, that's that's true. And and you know, well, Michael Douglas. I don't know if you can call him the main character in Ant Man. I think he blows everybody out of the water when it comes to us. Though I think it was Paul Rudd's movie. But like, it was Paul Rudd's movie, but I, I mean, it's, it's really kind of a it, it's the trio of it's them. An ensemble. Yeah, like he's it's, one of the higher characters. He's like a Fury level or Black Widow level, like supporting character. But it wasn't like he was the Ant-Man, but he's not the Ant-Man anymore. Yeah. See, but, now they but, have me using the definitive article. And now, and now we're coming back around to another slate of movies where you're going to have a no name headlining it. You have uh, whatever the fuck his name was. Chadwick Boseman Spider-Man. Black Panther. And then, yeah, exactly. For I, I was going to say Black Panther next, and then whoever's going to play P- Captain Marvel, who oh, we Tom, don't know yet. Who basically, nobody knows who he is yet. We're not going to have any idea of what he can or can't do until we see him maybe in Civil War. I think he shows up in Civil War. Well, no, he, he is going to show up in Civil War. So I have a theory about that, if you guys will indulge me. Sure, go for it. So in the, in the Marvel Comics uh, Civil War storyline, the, uh, the whole thing, the Superhero Registration Act that causes the split between the heroes in terms of and the relationship with the government is caused by a reckless group of young superheroes causing a massive tragedy. My theory is this, that Spider-Man, through his inexperience, is either linked to or indirectly causes something that changes the whole tone for, for, the, uh, for the thing to the point where the Registration Act passes or whatever the movie equivalent is, and that he's the... The linked somehow to the incident, or if not the cause of the incident, and I think that's a perfect way to make it front and center in the middle of the conflict. Maybe I, I have Although, a differing theory. Okay, I go for it. Okay, I'm and I'm looking up names to set for a second, so I am looking for a specific actor, and his name is Fran Kranz, and he's one of Joss Whedon's guys. He's in. He was in. Uh, Angel, I want to say, and then he was also in the Much Ado About Nothing. He's he's in a bunch of stuff, and he was also in Cabin in the Woods with uh, with Chris Hemsworth and all those guys. And Dollhouse. And Doll- that's right, that's right. He was a Dollhouse. That's 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 his main claim to Wheaton fame. He has been attached to star or not star in, but be featured in Agents of Shield. And he, with the new Secret Warriors team that's coming up, I think he is. And again, this is a storyline that I that I read tangentially, but it made sense. 
there's a character that causes specifically causes a tragedy that like blows up a school. I think he's supposed to be a speedster or something like that. And he speedball, he runs, speedball, speedball. That's the one. You think he's speedball? I think he's speedball. Speedball and is I the think one that causes he, it. And you know, I and I think see he that. gets introduced as a secret warrior in Agents of Shield, and then that cause. But the like, secret warriors, the new warriors, two different teams. Ah, uh, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, they might combine them. Maybe because there's too many warriors. There's too many warriors to come out and play. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> I think. I think you will see that story develop in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then that'll happen and that'll lead to the events of Civil War. I think what we're going to see from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this year is a more seamless transition into its Captain America movie. You know, I, I have a completely different theory. And I love that all three of us have completely different theories because that that means that this is not a predictable storyline. And I love that. Uh, my theory is that, no, you're not going to get any of these other characters because you don't need them in order. The tragedy has already happened. It's already happened a couple times. And it's called Tony Stark. Tony Stark has caused inadvertently and directly through his actions a lot of grief and suffering. Um, I mean, he is he was already blamed by other Avengers for Ultron. He can be blamed for the vision if the vision does something accidentally. Uh, the There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong that that has gone wrong. And all you really need is Tony Stark who has already started feeling guilty about some of the stuff that he's done, who is already distancing himself from being a superhero and being an Avenger for all kinds of reasons to not want others to make the same mistake he did and to feel like those need to be held accountable. And that may also be the way that you get Bruce Banner and the Hulk back into the action because uh, who is one of the other main Avengers who feels completely guilty over any of his actions all of the time? Bruce so I, Banner. Yeah, I don't think you need to go outside of the established Avengers canon um, in order to find enough guilt and remorse and whoopsies to uh, to start to provide that. And I, I, you, you also don't really need to go outside of Avengers to find people who are going to be on both sides of the split of staying anonymous for a bunch of different reasons. Um, you know, you can go down the list of everybody who is a, a movie listed Avenger and I could make a very strong argument for why they would be for or against. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be a stretch. And this is one of those things we're not going to know until time gives us the answer. We'll have about in about a year. We'll know which one of us was oh, right. or Any of us was right. I think, oh, I yeah. think you see Franz Kranz show up in agents of shield. We 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 know which kid has the uh, has the winning idea here. <laughs> you're you're banking that, on speedball. I'm banking also, on speedball. <laughs> you're also banking on them doing a crossover that is bigger than oh you get to find out where Fury got his helicarrier from. Which, while that would be awesome, and I would like to be wrong, I would totally like to be wrong. I don't see the TV show really affecting the movies that much. I, I see it going the other way around. I see the, the consistent history has been the movies have tied into the TV show and the TV shows have ran with the repercussions of the movies. But as far as 
stuff going on. I mean, that's that's why as much as I would love to see Coulson show up in the Avengers and do more than just call in Maria Hill and give her some information. I don't think you're going to see TV stars showing up on the on the big screen. Well, with one exception, I think with the Civil War storyline coming up, you're building this sort of uh, universe of uh, television. You already have Daredevil walking around Hell's Kitchen. And dang, if it wouldn't be cool to see one of those fight sequences happen. I totally agree. Yeah. I I think it would be awesome. I don't think it's going to happen. Is Daredevil season two? Okay, so hang on. Let me look at something. Sure. I need to see if Daredevil season two comes out before or after Civil War. I bet you there's references. I bet you um I bet you they go as far in the movies as to start list you know mm-hmm. that Tony Stark or um Captain America start listing off who's with them or who's against them. You know, the same way in, in Civil War you got the quick flashes of from the Hydra ship of people they were targeting and that's how we got you know all of those those fun cameos of people i i see that happening i see them saying oh you know well matt murdoch down in hell's kitchen is already you know helping hide a whole bunch of people or you know all whatever all the inhumans are doing i but i don't see them actually showing up well again time will tell on this and it looks like uh, tw- sometime in 2016. I don't, I don't see an exact date here in terms of... Right, and, and Civil War is definitely happening May 6th. Yeah, so it's very likely that this will come after, just based on math. Just Although, based on math. Just based on math. Just more months Although after than there are before. Netflix works differently. They could release that entire season, like, two months before and say... Look, we know you're going to consume this before Civil War. They could, and Season 1 did come up before Age of Ultron. Yeah. So they had the time. I guess they, if they did it together quickly enough, they might be able to do it. But I'd rather have a good Daredevil story than one that ties well, no, in. No, no, no. I guess I, my, my point is with Netflix specifically, they could start production now, right. take as long as they want, wrap, and then release it a month later. All of it. That's true. That's true. They don't have to wait as nearly as long because they're not like a traditional broadcast network. I see what you're saying. But as long as we're, uh, we're speculating, I, I w- was wondering if you guys would indulge me in another form of uh, speculation. Let's now, go for I, it. I read somewhere that, um, that NBC is interested in uh, relaunching the, uh, the Xena Warrior Princess property. Yeah. And they actually I have. I hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. They have like Sam Raimi and um, I've just lost the other showrunner. Like the. T- the the two of them are behind it. They haven't said whether they they can or want Lucy Lawless back. But yeah, apparently USA really super wants to do that. And I, I'd totally be on board. Um, I love that show watching growing up. And it's, it's funny. It grew out as a spinoff of Hercules. But like, I think culturally it was bigger than Hercules ever was. Well, right. Because Hercules was just another syndicated dude with muscles. And yeah, Zeno was something very different. Yeah, Nightman, Beastmaster, uh, Baywatch Knights. So on and so forth. Did we really just bring up Baywatch Nights on this show? No, we didn't. Jenga did. Oh, right. Was there a ban on Baywatch Nights that I was no? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just just hanging a lantern on it. <laughs> just pointing it out. So as long as we're uh, we're talking about Cena, assuming you couldn't bring in Lucy Lawless to reprise her role, or if that's not what they wanted to do, and I think that's the best choice personally because Lucy Lawless does not age. Who would you recast as Cena? Oh. I don't. I, I don't I, think I saw, as long. 
as I Lucy Lawless can still kick ass, you can recast that. I think the problem is the person that I would want to see, and that would be Gina Carino, can't act worth a damn. Oh, like, no. She and just Gina has needs no act. range. So Zena absolutely needs to have a, a, a range. That was what I, I that show what it was. I haven't seen. Is, is Ronda Rousey any good? I don't know if she can act or not. I know she can quote unquote wrestle. But uh, I mean, there's elements of acting in, in professional wrestling performances and stuff. Like if you can embellish your personality like that, that, that indicates that you might have some talent. But uh, I could see her playing Zena. But let me throw a name at you. Let me know what you guys think. Michelle Rodriguez. No. No? No. Why not? Uh j- totally not not right for it. That would be that would be say that would be like trying to do like Daniel Craig for Hercules. It's just wrong. Hmm. I mean maybe they could or or um, what's his face? <laughs> Ryan Gosling is Hercules. Right, that's, that's <laughs> even worse. No, jeez, he was Hercules. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez. Just no, I I don't. We we're talking about range, and 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 Michelle Rodriguez is definitely well. How much range is strong, Zena? Have? A stronger act. A lot. Just, yeah, she's got to have a bunch. And that's yeah. one, that's one of the reasons why like Gina Carino is out, I, I, even though physically I think she'd be absolutely perfect. Uh, she, I, I saw Haywire, and I was not impressed. So, what made that show rise above its its cheesy late night cable roots was the fact that the the two main actresses in that show managed to take whatever serious moments they could get, whatever funny moments they could get, whatever whatever emotional moments they could get, and acted the shit out of it, and they gave you two characters who were more than just, oh, well, here's the female version of Hercules and Aeolus. Here's, here are two, you know, emotional, emotive, deep women who all, can also kick ass because those were 45-minute shows and it wasn't 45 minutes of, of fighting. It was maybe a couple minutes of fighting and then there was a lot of stuff going on. And considering the 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 fact that the two of them, those two uh, characters essentially fall in love with each other and are soulmates and go on these, these, you know, crazy one dies and the other brings the other one back from the dead and from hell and from heaven and are angels. I mean, the, the, the crazy shit that that show got up to was grounded only by the strength of those two actresses being able to convince you that they were worth it. I think we're going to see Xena cast from... An unknown. Like we're gonna see someone who is in a Power Rangers series step up and be Xena. Especially if they're from New Zealand. If they're from New Zealand, exactly. Or, <laughs> or but but what I'm saying is like a lot of those a lot of those actresses are, can have surprising range. And some of them don't. I mean, for every Amy Joe Johnson or, or Aaron Cahill, you've got the chick who played Ariola in not another teen movie. Sure. Yellow Lost Galaxy Ranger, I believe. Oh, man. Who was I thinking of? Like, Maggie Q. Oh, and uh, It's Marvel uh, in the chat is suggesting the upcoming Wonder Woman. Uh, oh, who, Gal Gadot, which is basically like, yeah. Who, I, I, don't, I don't know how good of an actress she is. So far, I like what I see with Wonder Woman. I don't see 
that being possible what with her being Wonder Woman. Shoot, that's like that's like someone playing the human torch and then playing Captain America. I mean, come on. That can't okay. Be. I'm gonna say this. <laughs> I was talking to Luke about this. I don't think you're gonna see that kind of stuff ever again. I think Marvel and DC, especially now that DC is is trying to pull their shit together and and create a cohesive universe. I don't think you're gonna see not only will you not see actors be able to play different characters within the same universe i wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing those actors say yeah so i signed on to be dr strange in the marvel universe and so now i have a non uh i I can't go be in the dc universe for the next so many years yeah he can't go and play dr fate yeah you can't like direct a star (laughs) trek movie and then go direct star wars i i think you're gonna start Ah. seeing that i i think you're gonna I totally think, and I don't know if it's going to extend beyond Marvel and DC, but I could totally see them being like, no, you you can't be Superman in this movie and then come on over to the other universe. You uh, you, you just can't. Let me throw one more name at you guys. Let me know what you think. Become the, the man from Uncle. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Summer Glow. She's too old. I don't. I don't want anybody but Lucy Lawless. I think I, I think it's one of those deals where anyone we have in our headspace is already in your headspace. It's already in the headspace. Yeah. I think it's gonna like I said, it's gonna be an unknown. And, and I think that applies to both both Xena and if they choose and Gabrielle, to Gabrielle they I think together. Gabrielle as well. I'd like to throw my head in to play Jocks of the Mighty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's actually that's that's a game I, I think we could play real quick. So rather than Actors, like professional actors. Let's cast Xena from the community. People Who among know. our friends could play mm. Hercules and and Xena and Gabrielle and Joxer? Although you called Joxer, but you know what? I'm going to disqualify you because you're already on the show. Fine. Boo. We have we have a non compete with uh, with this Xena reboot production. <laughs> Clearly. So Hercules, it's a good question. I would say I I would probably cast. Let's see. I know He's, who I want for Xena. Okay, well, yeah, but hold on for that for a second. Okay, I will say for Hercules. Who's who would be uh, if if he were like two inches taller? Our good friend Duck One O Two. I could see that. Kind of, sort of. I, he's. He's a bit on the short side, but I think he would bring the physicality. So we would need to fix that in post, and he'd need to wear platforms. Yeah. Then for Eolus, stand on a scully box. It'd be fine. Maybe Leprechaun? Or is he too funny? <laughs> or is that perfect? I, I think that might be good. That was spot on. That was that was awesome. All right, uh, Obo, who's your Xena? Well, if if we're thinking about community kick-ass uh, battle-scarred women, then we're I'm going Bean Clayton. That's a good one. How about Kathleen? She could be good. I was going to say... We know say, she can kick ass. I was going to say for our Gabrielle, a good friend... Uh, what's her username? T-Bird. She, T-Bird. Uh, Tiffany Peters on... Uh, on on Twitter and such. She is, she's kind of a fitness buff. I could see, definitely see her as a Gabrielle. Mm. How about Aries? Who would be Aries? The, the muscular, uh, roguish God of War? Yeah. Well, if you're Joxer, I'm calling Aries. 
<laughs> okay. Well, wait a second. I don't want to be the crazy chick from Xena. What, Discord? Hey, you Callisto. Discord. Callisto, Callisto, there we oh, go. Oh, that's right. Discord was also in Hercules. Discord was also in My Little Pony, played by John Delancey. That's right. <laughs> can I be John Delancey? I want to be John Delancey. <laughs> okay, well, you can be John Delancey. You can be a Q. Okay. okay. Let's I'll take that. Let's going. All right. God, I'm bad at this game. Okay, so <laughs> X-Files is coming back for a six-episode run with the original cast. But let's say Fox is like, you know what? We need a new, fresh cast, and we're going to pull it from the RT community. Who is your Mulder, Scully, and Skinner? Ooh, it's tough. Let's see. Mulder. Can we just cast Mary and Chris and, and go with the two of them? I would watch that, yeah. I would totally watch that. Can we be the the, the, the three the uh, three lone gunmen? The three lone gunmen. That's yeah. perfect. The lone yeah. All right. <laughs> so who would be Skinner then in that scenario? I don't know. Gus. Gus? I can see that. He's not bald, but I could still, yeah. Listen, Cockbites, this is your next case. <laughs> yeah. There I you go. I can see that. Okay. okay, we've only got a couple minutes left. Can we do a little more spoilery for Ant-Man? Since I, I guess I missed you guys doing the spoilery Let's from sign before. Off and then we can, then I can tack that at the end of the, of the spoiler cast that we did make. Listeners, be sure to subscribe okay. to the Buttcast so that you can listen to our spoiler cast on Ant-Man once you've seen it. Or even if you haven't, and on BoJack Horseman as well, although it's like a tiny kind of bit there. But and, our- and, and absolutely please like, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Find us on iTunes and and grab us there. We we really do appreciate all our listeners out there, and we can't wait to grow our audience in 2015. Absolutely. And follow us on Twitter, at Glibshark. Yeah, and individually, at Jack Edifil, at Road underscore Block, or at Oboe Crazy. Our sound producer is Jonathan Cerna. I love ants! Oh, my God! They're flying! It's great! Oh, they're <laughs> it into places! Our, our announcer is the inimitable Bob Ball, uh, voice actor. Our music was done by Linnea Boyev. And on behalf of Lauren Urban, Jonathan Cerna, and the entire Glib Shark staff, this is Jack Edithel saying good night, good health, and ants. Jonathan, I'm going to make this one. Oh, ants. That's how you get ants. That's how you That's do it. That's how you get ants. <laughs> Lana! Lana! <laughs> All right, streamers, thank you so much. Uh, we, are doing, we are doing this for you, for, for the people out there who are streaming who haven't seen that, man. We're trying to keep it spoiler-free. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you. Actually, I really want to say for one second, thank you so much for sticking through our technical issues. We've had a lot these last two or three weeks, and it sounds like this broadcast went well, and yeah. I'm really hoping that's the case. So you can expect more, more coming. We're, we'll... We'll hopefully be able to stream our Destiny shenanigans on Friday, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you. And we love bye. you. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glib Shark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends.